is the flesh and blood of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, one and the same with the flesh and bones of Luke chapter 24. And the very concise, kind of quick answer to that is no. No. I want you to consider, beloved, the resurrection body will have no need of blood. I know you're back there thinking, I never thought of that. Who would have thought of that? I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. I'm going to try to jump right on the end of things. It's the back half of a teaching, actually the conclusion of a series that we began some weeks ago that deals with the issue of the resurrection, in particular our resurrection bodies and what that's going to look like. Hey, let me say this to you. There's a lot of questions. People are constantly asking me questions about what our heavenly bodies are going to be like. And I want you to understand this. In order to acquire that body, we have to release something that we are now. We have to allow that to go by the wayside, so to speak, in order that we might acquire that which is yet to come. <laughs> that sounds kind of complicated, and I don't mean for it to. But let me jump right on into this, and we'll get into the teaching. And I, tr I trust that the Lord's Word would just speak to you. Our text passage for this series is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, that entire chapter has served as a foundation for the series. I want to read one verse in your hearing right now, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. In his 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 36, the latter part of the verse, and the record puts it like this. Look at this. Every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life. And the Amplified adds germinating, springing up, and growing unless it first dies. Now, there's a lot packed into that verse, and we're going to try to unpack that here over the next several moments. So you give a listen with me. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one that's listening in, and I pray in the name of Jesus that by your word you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, Open our minds, open our spirits that we might be able to hear and understand what you have purposed for us, Heavenly Father. And we'll thank you, we'll praise you for it all in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here with us. So let me encourage you to tell your friends and your neighbors, your work associates about New Life Telecast and encourage them to be here with us. Whether you're listening live or later, we're glad that you're here with us. God bless you. Hang on. I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. An apple in no way resembles the seed that brings it into existence. Am I right? You might even look at a 
seed and determined that is an apple seed. And people that know about that sort of thing, they could pick it out pretty quickly. But beloved, you can never eyeball an apple seed and come away from looking at that apple seed with the image of a tree or an apple. Make sense? Now, the Word of God has established the basic mechanics of how the tiny seed produces a big old tree that ultimately presents us with a bounty of apples. It's amazing to me, you plant one or two seed, a tree comes up and there's just bukus of the fruit, the apple, if you please. Well, let's move on. Paul goes on to give us some very enlightening details about the various types of seed. Watch this, beloved. He's not changing the subject, but he's further illustrating it. Look in verse 39. He says, all flesh is not the same. And then he goes a little deeper. Men have one kind of flesh. Animals have another. Birds another. And fish another. Now, all of us, if you have any sense at all, beloved, you know that human beings do not have fur or feathers or fins. Can I get an amen right there? You know that. And he continues to build his case by establishing that there is a distinction between heavenly bodies and earthly ones. Hmm. Beginning in verse 40, there's this very interesting word that sent me running all around, all around my studies this week. Very interesting word. The New International Version gives us the word splendor. It's not a very good translation, to be honest with you, not at uh, that point. Actually, the Greek word is doxa, and you Greek scholars will recognize that as glory, 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 the unspoken manifestation of God. It corresponds with the Old Testament Hebrew word kabo, both terms, whether old or new, whether Hebrew or Greek, both terms convey God's infinite, intricate, or I should say inherent worth. Number four, fill this in with me if you would, please. We're advised that the many types of bodies have their own unique glory. I mentioned glorier, a glory just a few moments ago, not Gloria, whoever she is, but to glory just a few moments ago. The many types of bodies have their own unique glory. What does that mean? Their own unique manifestation of God, and God himself is the one that has given the design. Okay? He, Paul comes back in verse 42 with this, first part of the verse. So, and when you see so, you need to back up and see what it's there for. So, so he's drawing a conclusion. So, will it be, will it be with the resurrection of the dead? I come away from that asking myself, so what will be? So it will be, what will be? Here's the what, the best I can discern. The substance of our resurrected bodies will be a manifestation of that which God has designed. Who designed? That God had designed. I take great comfort in that. I am glad that that's not one of the things that I have to do this week. That's all God's business, all right? Beloved, and I'm not hurrying this up in any way, form, or fashion, but at some point in time, this body is going to become a deceased body if the Lord tarries long enough. And that which is true for me is true for you. 
These deceased bodies will be buried or put away with one form alike a seed being an apple, tomato, whatever the case might be, but subsequently resurrected with another completely different form again by God's design. Now note verse number 42. I'm going to divide verse 42 into uh, two little deliveries to you here this morning because it puts forth exactly what God's design is. It gives us where we are now, and then it tells us the way it's going to be. So look at this, verse 42, the kind of the middle part of the verse. Paul says, the body that is sown, the body that is buried, the body that is put away is perishable. In other words, it can perish. It will go away. If it stays in the ground long enough, it will return to dust. Beloved, that's just dirt with a little bit of age on it. Okay? Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. If you have ever stood around while one of your loved ones was stuck in the ground and somebody threw dirt on top of them, you know what he's talking about. It is sown in dishonor. It is sown in weakness, without strength. It can't do anything. Verse 44, it is sown a natural body. Then there's a but. All of that right there is just kind of discouraging, isn't it? All of this great, big, beautiful me at some point in time, this, this big, beautiful me is perishable, and it's, it, it's given to dishonor and shame and being shamed. It's weak in more ways than you can imagine. It's just a natural body. But that's not how it's going to be once the seed is transformed. Once the seed is in its resurrected state, let me go back through verse 42, pointing out to you the way it's going to be. Again, kind of the middle part of verse 42. It is raised imperishable. How is it sown? Perishable. How is it raised? Imperishable. That means it won't perish. Can't perish. Verse 43, it is raised in glory. Sown in dishonor. Raised in glory. It is raised in power. Sown in weakness. Raised in power. Verse 44, it is raised, look at this, a spiritual body. Hallelujah. Now, at this point, Paul is inspired to back way up and give some fundamental details to help us understand even better. We're given some historical highlights, if you please, that undergird the distinct difference between the fleshly man and the spiritual man. Now, this is all tied together. Let me uh, get into this by asking you another question. Someone please tell me who was the first ever man that was created. You sure about that? Yeah, it was Adam. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 confirms that for us. And we're told that Adam became a living being. You know, I haven't always been. On October the 27th, 1957 at 1010 in the morning, I became a living being. Well, actually, it was a few months before that, but I was introduced to the world as a living being. Adam became a living being, and because of that, we can and we did become living beings. 
uh, living here is an interesting word. I'm not going into all that at this point, but I'd encourage you to take a look at that on your own time sometime. Now, did you know that the Bible also presents to us the second Adam? If you knew that, say amen. The second Adam, the last Adam. Number five on your study notes, beloved. Christ Jesus, the second Adam, he became not only a living being, but much more a life-giving spirit. A life-giving spirit. There's a lot there. Perhaps we'll preach on that in its entirety at some point in time. I'm not going to do that right now. Then, beloved, we are reminded, uh, beginning around verse 45 of our text chapter, we're reminded that Adam came forth from the dust of the earth, but Christ Jesus came forth from heaven. Adam from the dust of the earth, Christ Jesus from heaven. We're also reminded that like Adam, and we've hinted around about this, we too shall come forth. We all have come forth as earthly, in other words, with a body of dust, if you please, that shall return to dust. But like Jesus Christ, those belonging to Jesus Christ. Pastor, don't we all belong to Jesus? If you've been born again and born into his family. If you haven't been born again and born into his family, you don't belong to him. You belong to your father, the evil one. I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches us, folks. But uh, we're, we're reminded, uh, beloved, those who belong to Jesus, the born again, will in like fashion come forth by way of the resurrection. Watch this with bodies that are described as heavenly. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The Bible couldn't be any more clear. Back home in Saxpahal, we'd say the Bible couldn't be more clearer. Bible couldn't be any more clear that our new resurrection bodies will be just exactly like the post-resurrection body of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'll remind you, if you didn't hear part one of this series, go back and dig it up on our website and give it a listen. I went into a lot more detail there than I am here. Suffice it to say, and I'm headed to verse 49 out of our text uh, chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, and just as we have passed, borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Praise the Lord. Let me change gears just a little bit. Verse number 50 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a valuable piece of information. For we are told point blank, watch this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I told you at the outset of this message that some of this was tricky. This is perhaps uh, part of that part. Some of it requires some digging and, and some real faith. Listen to this. On another occasion, post-resurrection, Luke recorded uh, an instance of Jesus getting together with the apostles. You can find this in Luke 24, and I'm going to go there right now. Luke 24, verse 39. Look at this with me. And note what Jesus said to them. 
Now, Paul says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But Jesus says to these apostles after the resurrection, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus mentioned this post-resurrection encounter that he had flesh and bones, not flesh and blood. My question to you is this as we head to your last study note this morning. Is the flesh and blood of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 one and the same with the flesh and bones of Luke chapter 24? And the very concise kind of quick answer to that is no, no. I want you to consider, beloved, the resurrection body will have no need of blood. I know you're back there thinking, I never thought of that. Who would have thought of that? But it'll have no need for blood. Number six on your study notes, you fill this in with, by the way, you can, you can differ with me on this if you want, but I encourage you to, to give this some thought. Beloved, blood is literally the life-sustaining entity for the physical life. The physical life. In fact, the Bible tells us that life is in the blood for physical life. Mr. Ellicott says, and I couldn't say it any better, so I'll quote him in his very fine commentary. When the supreme sacrifice, talking about Jesus shedding his blood, when it was made on Calvary, the blood was shed once for all. The blood, the type of the human self, was poured out forever. I could talk more about that, but I'm going to try to put a period on it right now. Here we go. Beloved, beginning around verse 51, Paul uses some very straightforward language as he purposes to reveal to us a mystery. Now, I want you to remember, when a mystery is revealed, it is no longer a mystery, okay? It's been demystified. We're informed, watch this, Though the last generation, everybody say the last generation. Though the last generation will not experience physical death, we will not all sleep, he says, or die. Every generation of believers in particular, every generation will experience a change with a culmination of their resurrection whenever that takes place. This change, according to verse 51, is going to be instantaneous. I think different versions use different terminology, the twinkling of an eye, the blinking of an eye. It's going to be quick, and it will transpire at the last trumpet. The last trumpet. Now, I'm not going into a lot of detail here. I could. We preached on this before. Suffice it to say that the trumpet, literally the trumpet, was the tool of choice or the instrument of choice for calling up or rallying the troops at the time that this was written and certainly before that. Now, I'll say somewhat tongue-in-cheek, apparently God still prefers it. So be advised, when that time comes, 
God is not going to send out a group text. So, check me out. You better be looking up and you better be listening up. Can I get an amen right there? Now, here's the demystifying summation. Ah, that boy do have a way with words, don't he? Look at verse 53 of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, For the perishable, the old dusty frame, must clothe itself with the imperishable, the new Christ-like form, and the mortal with immortality. I was drawn to that word, clothe. The original's in duo or something like that. It is a verb, and it really means to kind of sink into a garment. And you all know and understand that every one of you had to sink into a garment before you come here this morning. And the pastor's saying, hallelujah, amen. Glad that you did. But you understand, beloved, what it is like and what it means to change clothes. He's trying to help us understand here as one changes from one set of clothing to another. And by the way, I guarantee you there's at least a half a dozen of you sisters that experienced this probably 24 times before church this morning. This make me look fat. I wouldn't go there for a million dollars. As one changes from one set of clothing to another, so shall our resurrected bodies be. We're, there's going to be a change. One online theologian said this, quote, just as our earthly bodies are perfectly suited to life on earth, our resurrected bodies will be suited for life in eternity. Isn't that encouraging? So, while the Bible doesn't necessarily describe an intimate detail, the glorified bodies we will receive in heaven, we do know this. We know that they will be like Jesus resurrected body I take great courage in that whatever this old hunk of junk is going to look like it's, or, or whatever it looks like now uh, in eternity on the other side of the, the resurrection it's going to be like Jesus resurrected body beloved I want to remind you we did read this last week the apostles literally physically touch the literal, physical, resurrected body of Jesus. On one occasion, I love this part, the resurrected Jesus inquired of the apostles as to whether they had any vittles. And they're like, yeah, we, we've got some fish. They were out there on the side of the, the lake. And he said, well, give me a piece of that fish. And he ate it. We know that happened. We know that there's going to be a wedding feast when the bride of Christ is called up. And I'm not going into details with that just now, we do know, we know that as imperishable bodies, imperishable, they will no longer suffer from sickness. They will no longer suffer from death, nor will they ever be subject to heat and cold or hunger and thirst ever again. Beloved, our new bodies will be honorable in that they will not be shamed or shameful because of sin. We know that. When the perishable 
has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Victory. Can you say victory? Praise the Lord. Will you pray with me? Folks, that's going to do it for this particular series. I trust that you have learned some things and be and been encouraged about some things with regards to our resurrected bodies. Now, here's the important question. Are you ready for the resurrection, your resurrection? These bodies are these, uh, our spirit is going to live somewhere forever. Once it comes into existence, it's going to live somewhere forever. The preferred place is to be with Jesus and to have a glorified, resurrected body like His. Now, listen to this. I, honestly, I'm being very transparent with you. I think quite often we worry or concerned or we debate way too much what our bodies are going to be like in heaven uh, rather than understanding really what that's going to be like. Or, and I say heaven, I'm talking about eternity. Sometimes we get all confused about being up on the other side of the sun and the stars and the moon and, and those heavens as opposed to what eternity is really going to look like. And perhaps we can get into some of those details uh, on another occasion. Here's the good news. Here's the thing that puts hope and courage into my heart. There's not going to be any more death on the other side in eternity. No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more heartache. All is going to be heavenly. I don't know of any other way to say it. As we spend eternity with God, His Son, Christ, and those who are a part of the forever family of God, those who have been born anew of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and living after, chasing after Jesus. I trust that's you. Is it? It can be. I trust that you've confessed your sins, repented of your sins, that you've opened up your heart's door and asked Jesus to come in to be the Lord of your life, and you believe because you know with that confirmation in your spirit that that has occurred. I trust that's the case for you. If not, can you be encouraged to confess your sins, repent, open up your heart's door right now wherever you are, and trust Jesus to come in to forgive you of your sins, to wipe all of that away, to fill you with precious Holy Spirit and make you a fit vessel on the inside for that which is going to transpire on the other side. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one listening in, and I pray that by your word you have convicted and convinced and encouraged each one to know that our life with you on the other side is going to be absolutely incredible. And we'll have a body like the resurrected body of Jesus, a body that will live on for the ages. May we take courage in that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, beloved, I've got to get out of here. I do want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of activity Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, something for nearly every member of the family. And then Wednesday, we do have something for nearly every member of the family. In fact, every member, uh, we call that Family Ministries Night. That begins at 7 o'clock, and we'd love to see you for any and all of these activities. I'm extending this to you as an open invitation. Again, be sure and tell your friends about New Life Telecast. Uh, encourage them to watch 
I do want to remind you that you can go back through our website, and that web address is posted there somewhere on the screen. You can go back and find an, an archive of these programs and the live services from Sunday morning and a lot of other helpful information. Check that out. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great day. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back?